It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am DJ Scruggs, along with my partner, Adam Adams. Hello, everyone. Hey, Adam. And um, we're, we're really excited today. We were just doing a pre-interview here with our guest today who knows, he's, he knows he's forgotten more than we'll ever know. <laughs> and his name is Tony Spandrio. Hi, Tony. Hey, Hello. Um, Tony, we're going to talk, um, and I guess for our audience, we're going to talk a, about a, a, a particularly interesting creative deal you've done. But before we do into that, get, go into that rather, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you got into real estate and what kind of investing you do and just, just sort of set the table yeah, for awesome. us. Well, first off, DJ and Adam, thank you very much for having me here today. Really appreciate it. So um, the story starts off back in 2010. I was still working a W-2 job, mm-hmm. uh, one that was you know quite intense, 70 hours, 80 hours a week. And uh, well, my, my, my wife went over to a, a two-hour event. It was one of Robert Kiyosaki's two-hour mm-hmm. event. And well, she hooked me and had me go to this two-hour event a second time you know, in, in the evening. And, and, and that got me really hooked in it. I'm just going, wow, this is, I think this is really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that turned into the three-day event. So March of 2010, uh, we started down this wonderful journey. I, I had been in corporate America for 35 years. Wow. And uh, my position, which was uh, I had had six to seven supervisors, 125 employees, mm-hmm. and it was a 24-7 operation. It was very stressful. Ugh. And we jumped into this real estate investing thing. And um, you know, by the end of, of, of 2010, we actually had our coach out. And, and, and I think that's one thing that's really important that I stress on people so much. You know, you got to have a coach. And the second week in December, excuse me, the second week in January of 2011, we closed on three flips in one week wow. without <laughs> any of our own money. I learned real quick the art of other people's money yeah, and really got involved in that. And so, you know, that progressed that first year, we had eight flips going at all times. We turned 14 flips that first year in 2011, 2012. We did the same thing. We kept going by that time. Every three flips we did turned into buying a rental and Mm. we started building our rental portfolio. 2012, we expanded into apartments, got another partner, started getting into apartments, but continued the whole flip, you know, process and just kept going and kept that same thing, keep building our rentals. Three flips, take the profits, buy a rental. Just kept doing that all the way through 2014. And then in 2014, started seeing the economy around here, what was crunching, and we started looking to the Midwest. So we moved a lot of our operations to the Midwest and just started growing out into the Midwest. So, you know, today we got about 75 doors across, you know, the, the Midwest and still here in Colorado. And we've grown our company to, you know, three full-time employees that I have. And my wife's got five full-time employees. And it's just wow. been, it's been a, a roller coaster and a great ride. And I bet managing three to five full-time employees is better than managing 125. Uh, yeah. Just a little. <laughs> so, so what you've been doing in o- Oklahoma, is that all fix and flips? It's actually all turnkey. It's okay. actually turnkey. But, you know, in a sense, it's a buy, fix, and hold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Turnkey operations turn around, sell them to investors. All turnkey, ready to go. Awesome. Terrific. Awesome. Yeah. So we know, um, well, you know, the focus of this podcast is creative. That's right in the title. Um, there's a lot of people out there, uh, and until very recently, I was one of those who think that the only way you can buy real estate is you go through a broker, you pay, um, you put down 10, 20%, you get a 30-year mortgage, and um, that's just the way it works, you know, and it turns out there's actually a lot of different ways to get deals done. And in particular, you told us about a deal that I'm going to ask you to expand on where someone was going through bankruptcy or about to go through bankruptcy. Correct. 
Correct. Yeah. So set yeah. the stage for us on yeah. that one. Well, I'm going to set the stage in that, you know, and a lot that I do in my training to people is that, you know, you've got to let everybody know what you're doing. Every mm. time, I don't care you walk into Home Depot, you're walking into Burger King, I don't care where you at, where you're at, you better mm. let people know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay? You mean just like advertise that just you do like, fix and flips? Yeah, and... exactly. You know, okay. you start conversations this way. So uh, for both of my wife, we're on social media, and a friend of hers said, I've got somebody that really needs some help, and he's going through a bankruptcy, and he's got a house, and he's ready to lose it. Do you think you guys could help him out? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, wow, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, a friend of a friend tells somebody, and she actually knew this guy's son. And so I walked in over there to, to visit the guy, right? And the first thing was like, well, you're probably like all the other investors. You just want my house. You don't, <laughs> you don't care about me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We run into that a lot. <laughs> and so I said, well, tell me your story. And he said, well, I was going through foreclosure. Literally, my house was going to be foreclosed on. And he said, my first thought was is that, well, maybe I could do a bankruptcy and just do bankruptcy and do a, B- a BK7. Well, BK7, what, what is that? a BK7? BK7 takes everything. I mean, you can't selectively pull out any of your creditors or your house like you okay, could okay. do in a BK13. So just because 7 is like the chapter of the bankruptcy the chapter. That so, is chapter 7, BK7. Got it. Right. Okay, okay. okay. And so... He said, you know, I I didn't want to lose my house. And the reason was is that I had $300,000 of equity in my house. Mm. And he said, everybody was just coming in saying, well, yeah, I'll I'll take care of this. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and just take it all from you. And yeah, we'll we'll, we'll stop the foreclosure. And then he's out on the road. Yeah. Right? With nothing. Right. Okay. So I said, well, okay, so, you know, continue to talk to me. What's going on now? He said, well, um, I actually hired an attorney. And they told me that if I filed a BK-13, and he was in the foreclosure process. I mean, he had a sell date, okay? Mm-hmm. He says, if I file as a BK-13, I can pull out my house and keep it separate and still file on all my other creditors mm-hmm. because he had equity in the house. Well, at this point in time, he still had a job until the day I met him. <laughs> he lost his job. Oh, my gosh. Now, okay, so now he's in his BK-13, Right. His house has been pulled out, and he still was making house payments. No job. Now he can't make his payments. Now he has the potential that the bank can now refile foreclosure on him. Oh, right. Okay. Because he wasn't making his mortgage payments. He had gone into 90 days, hadn't made his mortgage payments. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at this, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. He's got a mortgage value of $300,000. And this house is worth over $600,000, and he's ready to lose it. So I'm looking at this going, I'm not going to be greedy. Now, the house needed, we estimated that the house needed about about $120,000 in rehab, okay? But I'm looking at this just going, well, wait a second. What can I do to help him out? And I said, so what are your needs? Well, first off, I'm looking around this house, and he's a hoarder. Oh, no. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, a two-story house with a basement, you know, and you could barely find ways to walk through, you know, the house and whatnot. But the guy really had, you know, as a typical hoarder, nothing against anybody that's a hoarder, but Mm -hmm. they truly believe that this stuff is valuable to them. Yeah. Right. So here's the deal that I work with him. I said, I'll tell you what, we're going to create a joint venture agreement. Now, the first thing that we're going to do is, is that we're going to move this house out of your name, and we're going to put it into a trust. 
And I says, we're going to work with your attorney on it. And by the way, you know, his attorney, uh, God rest his soul, um, I don't know if you guys know Oliver Frescona or not. Well, Oliver Frescona is a very, very well-known attorney. Unfortunately, he died in a plane crash uh, a couple years ago. Oh, wow. And anyway, and so the attorney that was working with, uh, um, you know, my, my seller here, um, you know, worked with, with that group. So we got them to understand that he could move this house out of his name into a trust. We notified the insurance company. We notified the mortgage company. Yeah. Well, once we did that, then I had him assign the trust as a beneficiary, my company being the beneficiary and me being the trustee. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that in order that I can now create a joint venture agreement with him and... I raised enough private money, in this case, to continue to pay his mortgage for him, to allow us to buy six, to get six storage places, to move all of his, equi- all of oh, his stuff sit in Boulder. It was six 54-foot trailers. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Okay? And to be able to put him up someplace to live because we had to move him out. Hmm. Well... Okay, we did the deal, we struck the deal, we got the money, and we started the rehab process. Well, guys, if you haven't been around anybody, I don't know, have you worked with hoarders at all? Any, I, any, I've have, done have, two, re- have, two hoarder houses. Have you? Yeah. So here I am, we have a 30-yard roll-off out front to get rid of what we figured is the, the trash, right? Every time I go to dump something <laughs> in there, you're laughing, you know. <laughs> he runs, he grabs it, and he takes it back in the house. Oh, my gosh. It's like, dude, you can't do this. <laughs> so what I thought was going to take... 30 days to get him out, it took three months. It took time to go after that, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going through that process, and we finally get to the point where I've got my subs in, and he's still in the house. And he's still in the house, and I'm saying, dude, we got to get working on this thing. So we're sitting here doing the rehab. I mean, this was a major rehab. We're talking about, you know, 60 feet of driveway had to come out. We had a whole new roof. We had to redo all of the siding. There was a lot of walls that needed to be opened up structurally, rip out the entire kitchen, rip out the bathrooms. I mean, this is a total gut job, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it took us about six months to get through the process. Um, Interestingly enough, we had um, the um, uh, an insurance company, an insurance guy would kind of come around every once in a while. We're like, well, you know, what's going on here? And so he would stop in and kind of hang out for a while, a couple of days and whatnot, to make it really appear that he was still living, you know, in the house. But with the exchange of moving things in a trust, and again, it's kind of being very creative here, mm-hmm. is, is that when the, the beneficiary was assigned over to my company as a trust, now that's something that doesn't get recorded at the title. Now, it's a legal document, as you know, that you can move any kind of property into a trust, mm-hmm. and it's a total legal document that has to be notarized and signed. Okay. The only thing that you got to make certain of is that it does break the chain of title when you're doing any yeah. kind of work, so mm-hmm. you know that. But when you go back to relist it and to sell the house, now you just go back and bring forth that document, you have it recorded, and you tie that taint chain of title back together Okay, when you're ready to sell it. So... The really cool thing was about this is that, you know, we're there to help him. Anybody else would have just taken it with him and ran. Instead, we made an agreement in the end that he walked away with $60,000 in his cat in his pocket. He had six storage units for six months wow. that he had that we paid for mm-hmm. so he could get his feet back up on the ground, okay? And 
he never it, it never it never went through foreclosure. <laughs> That's it awesome. never went through foreclosure. So I'm curious. So when you're doing these um, these sort of legal paper pushing, you know, that's that's kind of how I think of it. You're moving something into a trust. How does the bank react to something like that? Do they care or so? You're, and, and, and that's a good question, DJ, because you always have to do on sale clause that you've got to be very careful with, mm-hmm. right? And in this situation, we were making the payments electronically. So making the payments electronically with routing numbers and account numbers. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the mortgage holder really doesn't know where that payment is coming from. Right. They're just getting a continued regular payment. So, and does this kind of get back to like why you don't record the title change right away? You know, as far as they're concerned, the money's showing up. That is correct. And they that have a correct. lien on the current title. That and, is correct. Ah. And under, with him moving it from his personal name mm-hmm. into the trust, he's the owner of the trust. He was the trustee. That's what's showing. That is a legal document that is recorded. Right. So it still showed that. It's just that you're the beneficiary instead of... Correct. Because when it moved into me being a beneficiary, that part was not recorded. But legally, it's mine. Yeah. It's very much similar to subject to. Mm-hmm. When right. you're doing something subject to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So how? So when was this? I'm just curious. Oh, this was actually in... Let me think back. It was 2012. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so what was the law? You mentioned it took a while to get him out. You had to store stuff. What was the total turn- turnaround on all this? Our turnaround time on that was, it was eight months. Eight yeah, months. it was okay. eight, eight, eight months to, to, to get that done. And, and you mentioned he got 60000 out. Now, I'm guessing you didn't guarantee that. You just said you're going to get a share of the, the sales. That, yeah, that it, it, we actually did it as a percentage. Okay. And so based on what the house was listed at, mm-hmm. you know, True, you know, and, and it's interesting because when you're doing this, keep in mind, you're, you're doing it as a joint venture. So we got to have all the legal documentation right. Mm-hmm. So you put together a JV agreement. When that JV agreement, which stated a certain percentage that he would get. Okay, so now you have a partnership there, right? Well, okay, so this gentleman lived in this house. He raised his kids in this house. I mean, was there some emotion there? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think that happened when the time came that we were ready to list the price? Oh, he wanted it to go higher? Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And so at what point do you start educating somebody that says, well, wait a second. Now, our agreement was when we got into this, we believed that we could probably get $650,000. This was the after repair value back then. Mm-hmm. But what did he want to do? Well, let's give this a shot. Maybe we can get seven fifty. Oh, my gosh. Why? Well, there's an incentive there because yeah. he's getting a percentage. Right. Yeah. So maybe if I could get $75,000 in my pocket instead of 60, right? Yeah. So a lot of education had to go into that that said that's fine. Now typically as a flip as a flipper, one of the things that we look at is is that if you don't get a hit within the first 10 days, you've right. got to make an adjustment. Right. Okay. And that's and that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. So did you actually list it what he wanted and then yeah, we did just that. so he would See for himself. See for himself. Yeah, ah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So one yeah. thing that I, I just want to mention, mostly just to the listeners, is is this story is is exactly what we're trying to um, share with the world. The reason why we have a podcast is to let homeowners know, to let real estate brokers and agents know, and to let um, other investors know, hey, you're going to come across a situation where not everyone can make something happen. But if you know that there's people like Tony Spandrio out there, if you know that there are people like this, then you can go search out and find them. Find somebody to help you get this situation taken care of, whether it's Chapter 7, 11, 13, whether it's foreclosure, pre-foreclosure, uh, you're behind on your taxes, about to get your tax, uh, tax deed or tax lien uh, sold off. 
there are some people out there that that can do this. You just gotta you just gotta find them. And if you're in that situation, there's a way out of it. You know, call somebody like Tony Spandrio. And I hope just we just want to open other people's minds to this. You know, just right. to say, hey, you know, no one else knew that something like this was possible. This guy thought that he was out on his luck. You know, the bank might have thought something else, but you were able to think creatively a little about a little bit, a lot of it, out of, outside the box to to figure something out that you obviously won. He won. And then not only that, but we look at the bank. They never had to do a foreclosure. They never had to pay real estate fees, attorney fees, and all those other fees, filing fees. Uh, they didn't have to sell it for a discount. And furthermore, it sounds like you also brought in some investors. So I, it looks like, what, you had to raise like over a hundred grand? Right, correct. And I'm sure they made a couple dollars too? Well, absolutely, of course. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, with private money lenders... You know, and, and we know that that varies, but absolutely. So that was a win-win for the private money lender also. And yeah. at the end, there's someone who bought a house that was fully rehabbed. Oh, and, absolutely. Know, started a new family tradition. You yeah. Know, they've got, yeah. Just like and, that and, guy. And, and that, yeah, it's, it's success, you know, all, all the way around. It, it absolutely is. Well, Tony, before we even started this, there was a few things that you mentioned, like um, I think there was turnkey uh, that you were doing, uh, which is also a very creative exit strategy. Um, that I think if you're willing, we'd love to bring you back on the show uh, another time just to kind of talk about that. And then there's some syndications that, you, that you've been kind of involved with and, and you understand how to do. Um, there's a lot more in your brain than we probably have time for today. Uh, but if, you, if it's all right, could we bring you back? Absolutely. Would love to. Before we do that, um, you mentioned, or Adam mentioned, if you're in trouble, you can call Tony Spandrios, which is, um, that's a good segue. Where do they find you? How can people find you online? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, on Facebook, I'm very, very active on Facebook, Tony Spandrio. And I do have to say, I have a son and a grandson. So I'm going to be that 60-year-old-looking gentleman with a nice, you know, clean head. Um, and, and, and you can find me. I am very active on LinkedIn. I'm active on Twitter. I'm active on Instagram. On Instagram, it's Coach Tony S. Okay. And, and you can find me there. You can reach out there. I have an educational company called Cashflow Essentials. And you can reach out there. And that... It's just cashflowessentials.com. Yeah, it's cashflowessentials.com. And, um, you know, I've been involved in a lot of education. And and, uh, I want to tell you, I'm a very giving person. I love this podcast. I love sharing. I love expressing ideas to other investors on how we can help and how we can work together and how we can all grow in this business. And it's just, you know, a strong desire that I have. So I love educating and teaching. And thank you very much. I think from my perspective, my background was mostly tech. Um, before getting into real estate and kind of the tech startup world, which is a little loco in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, just the crazy ideas that get made. But on the other hand, it's a really supportive community. And one of the things I've liked most about real estate is it's not dog eat dog like you might think. It's actually very um, collaborative and supportive. And so we um, really appreciate your coming on and sharing that tradition. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. <laughs>